In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I think that uh, this last week was the week that it, that it started. Uh, I don't watch a lot of network TV, but I, I do watch sports. And I noticed something during the Celtics game the other night that between all of the basketball, the commercials changed. Because apparently, Santa is on the move, and Christmas ads are back, just in time for, um, well, I mean, Veterans Day. So there are just 38 days until Christmas, much to the delight of children everywhere. But for the church, we are getting ready for Advent to begin. And traditionally, there have actually been seven Sundays of Advent, and now, today, we keep just four. But our lectionary keeps the flavor of the old Advent readings, because Advent has always been a time we focus on Jesus' coming, and not just his first coming as, as an infant in Bethlehem, but as his second coming, as the judge of the living and the dead at the end of all things. So that's just a teaser. More about that in a couple of weeks when Advent is actually here. But for today, I simply want you to take note that the flavor of the readings, the tone of the readings has shifted. Isaiah's new heavens and new earth, this world where the wolf and the lamb dine side by side and not one upon the other. Jesus' prediction that the temple will be destroyed, that there'll be earthquakes and wars and plagues and famines and signs in the heavens. The story that we read from Luke 21 is actually called the Little Apocalypse. Because apocalypsis means revealing, means um, <clears throat> unveiling. And apocalyptic literature like this or like Daniel or like Revelation to St. John unveil, reveal God's work in the world using highly symbolic, figurative, even mysterious language. And so today we spend a few minutes thinking about apocalyptic literature. And I want to ask two questions of this passage. First, what was Jesus talking about in the story? And then secondly, how does this story shape our story? What was Jesus talking about and then how does the story shape our story? First, what was Jesus talking about? When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. The temple in Jerusalem was actually the second one that had been built on that site. And it was a masterwork by Herod the Great, the, one of the wonders of the ancient world, the center of life for the Jews of the time. And it was magnificent. It was some 1.5 million square feet. Some of the stones actually weighed as much as a million pounds. They were 45 feet long stones in this temple. And it was breathtakingly beautiful. But Jesus said, it would fall. 
And within a generation of that day, on, in A.D. 70, the Romans sacked Jerusalem and pulled the temple down. I've stood right there. I've stood right in that place. And when you stand there, you see one wall of the temple. And then you see the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's now one of the holiest sites of Islam because the temple, the beauty of the temple, did not last. Neither will the Duomo in Milan or Saint-Chapelle in Paris or St. Peter's in Rome, and neither will this place. I love the, the simple beauty of, of our church. Yesterday, some 50 of us spent most of the day working to keep it up and, and to make it shine, the building and, and the grounds around it. But if we ground our hope in this church, if we ground our hope even in religion itself, then our hopes will be dashed against the rocks of the world because one day it all comes down. That's what Jesus was talking about. Who do you place your trust in? Is it in a building, a church, even in religion, or is it in him? Which leads us to question two. How does that story shape our story? Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. Last year I read an article uh, in The Atlantic entitled, Trust is Collapsing in America, and it used research that was collected by a communications marketing firm and said that all of the statistics seem to show that in the West, our trust in our institutions is at an all-time low. It's never been lower than it is right now. Only one-third, 33% of Americans trust our government to do what is right. One-third. Only 42% of us Trust the media. Trust even in business or in NGOs is down 10%. And here's a line from the article itself. It says, I'm not sure about the future of my job because of robots or globalization. I'm not sure about my community anymore because there are a lot of new people coming in. I'm not sure about my economic future. In fact, it looks fairly dim because I'm suddenly downwardly mobile. And truth itself seems uncertain. And that was last year, before impeachment hearings went wire to wire on CNN. So how does this story shape our story? I think it asks us to look at where we are placing our trust. What are we hoping in? Some of us desperately want to trust a political party or the democratic process to impose some kind of order on the chaos. We trust financial institutions for our safety into old age. We search for meaning in our work or the arts or the 12 steps or any one of a hundred different things that people look to for ultimate faith, ultimate meaning in their lives. But it seems that wherever we put our trust, 
we can be disappointed. That is where apocalyptic comes in. That's what apocalyptic literature is for. It doesn't exist to fuel speculation about a rapture or about the end of days. It exists to lift our eyes, to shift our focus from our story to the greater story. Here's something that uh, a pastor named Ryan Boys wrote recently. He said, biblical apocalyptic works were addressed to those who had lost confidence in any great plan or story. Sound familiar? Many people today have a similar mindset as those first readers of biblical apocalyptic vision. They've come to doubt that there is a larger unified story that gives meaning to their lives. American Christians have not watched their temple literally burn, but they've seen trusted spiritual authorities flame out through moral failures, while mounting cynicism slowly snuffs out their confidence in religious institutions. The apocalyptic literature of the Bible was written to foster faith in people who had lost their faith in God and in his story. This book is our great story. When we let it shape our story, then we can hope in the chaos. We may be betrayed, we may be hated, we may even be put to death, but even when the worst thing imaginable happened, when Jesus himself, who was the temple, was destroyed in three days, he raised it up, alive again, victory, victorious over the death. So when it seems like the end of the world, do not be afraid, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. Let that story be your story and consider that an invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit,